Welcome to Treasure Valley Podcast. I'm your host, Chuck. This week, I play a conversation I had with Jesse Blake Rundle and Nate Agenbrod, who last week played a set inside of our studio. We talk about Jesse's album, Radishes and Flowers. We talk about the recording process. We talk about writing music. And we even talk about the existence of God. Also sitting in on this conversation is Elliot Norton. He runs the cameras for the Treasure Valley Live series. Enjoy our chat. I love your album, well, Radishes you. and Flowers. Yeah. Can you tell me about the inspiration behind that? Because you were talking about how you started to sing to poetry yeah. and it led you in a different way as far as music is concerned. Yeah. Um, gosh, I could tell this story so many ways and it could be really long, but I'll try to, I'll try to focus in. Um, I, I was sitting in my house. I, I lived over on like, Hay Street downtown by the co-op. Okay. And um, I had a book of Wallace Stevens poems open on my chair. I was playing guitar. And, and then I just was like, oh, maybe these could be lyrics. I love these poems. I've loved Wallace Stevens for years and just started singing. And it was a really, it was a brand new kind of musical creation process for me because I was trying to use the words that were there and be inspired by them and also try to use the kind of guitar part that I'd already taken. And then they just kind of got like twisted together. And it was a really magical, like, creative moment, like totally in the zone. And, you know, 30 minutes later, I had a song. I was like, wow, that was cool. Um, and I sent it to a friend. I was like, hey, dude, I recorded the song. He's like, uh, it's, I think it's actually might be good. And I was like, oh, cool. Um, so then I just kept going. I was like, I maybe I found something that I, I like to do and it's, it's fun. And I just kept writing and writing songs. And then about after six months or so of doing that, I decided to try to go play open mics and stuff in Boise. And um, it was terrifying. I just remember like shaking on the stage. And um, yeah, it was tough. But I got through that, started playing open mics and um, then eventually recorded the album with, uh, with Nate here. So... It was well done. The audio design was great. Thank you. Yeah. So, Nate, did you focus mostly on the mixing and mastering? Did you guys work together on that? or um, Mixing and mastering, most of the tracking, um, kind of the foundational stuff um, we did at my place oh, with yeah. my gear. And then Jesse had a great little um, home setup that he was able to, on some of the parts that you know weren't going to happen in one sitting or that needed written still, he was able to take them home and spend some time with it. And then a lot of it, we ended up feeling like there was no need to recreate the performance in my studio because he'd captured it, like it was going to be fine. So I think even some of the vocals a couple carried of over. vocals, like some harmony vocals. I sent you like, home with a mic at one point. Oh, and <laughs> it was yeah. working for you, I so think. I had a nice and, mic at home for a yeah, while. Yeah, it was like, yeah. you should just take this home with you in case something good happens. <laughs> and yeah. it worked Let's out pretty well. Yeah, it worked out great because then I could like work on parts, like the extra kind of more compositional parts that I just needed to work on for a few hours to nail down. So like organ parts and uh, like electric guitar parts on top of things. I would often record those at home and then sometimes we'd reamp them at Nate's studio um, or just or just use the takes. Yeah. But all the main stuff, like acoustic guitar and vocals was all done there. And that was what really like got me excited about recording with Nate. It was like I'd try to another studio I tried recording on my own and never was really happy with it and then we tracked the first song and I just had never heard my guitar actually sound like I thought it could and then the vocals sounded so good so we decided to just keep going and record the whole album right on That's it turned out great and the the song writing 
structure to me is what stood out. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, I put it in my truck before you came mm, um, okay. again to listen to it. And I'm not the best with song names, but I've, it was been on repeat on, in my truck now for probably about a week oh, wow. because every time I listen to it, it's, it's different. I pick up on different things, mm-hmm. I should say, because a lot of the songs don't follow the verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, chorus right. structure. And the repetitions musically and the musical themes are so loosely connected in between the parts. It makes it seem like almost a mellower version of Stairway to Heaven or Bohemian oh. Rhapsody, <laughs> right? I mean, is that an accurate description? Yeah, there's something to that for sure. I think, um, like, yeah, I, for one, I'm just, I'm trying, in those songs, trying to follow the poem structure and, like, how the, the poem is telling a story and and creating a scene. And usually, like, you know, poems kind of have a crescendo towards the end. They're you know, more like kind of a post-rock style where they build towards the end, but I didn't want to write post-rock songs. Um so a lot of the structures are just based around trying to fit the different moods of the different uh, words of the poem and build to there. But then I think like finding the connective tissue between the sections was really hard. It just like it took a ton of work and practice and like trying a million things. And I I I'd studied some classical music in college and stuff. Nothing serious, but like enough to kind of get some ideas from how like themes and repetitions and variations are built. So I think like some of the connective tissue of the songs is like just like a tiny little melodic theme or like a counter melody that then gets carried through the song and built. Um, so keep it connected, even though it's always changing. So I did a lot of that. Yeah, it sounds really good. I, I was impressed with it. And I was going to ask you about like formal musical training because it seems like it would be hard I don't know much about music theory. By that, I mean, uh-huh. I know next to nothing, but I know it sounds good. Yeah. Um, and it's very complicated yeah. in some of those parts. And the chords that you you all are playing to, they seem, you know, it's not the basic major minor stuff. Right. And so it's all, it does seem well thought off, out. So I'm glad that you spent <laughs> time connecting <laughs> that stuff together. That seems like it would have been pretty tricky. Right. It, it was. and You have you, a point A <laughs> and a point C. Yeah, how and do you then get meandered, there? <laughs> you meandered between. Cool, that's, that makes Probably sense. Probably in that's a how weird time it. signature. Right, in a weird time yeah. signature, too. Yeah. So some of that was like trying to hide the complexity sometimes, too. It's like, I like the weird stuff, but it I wanted it to be more in a kind of modern folk style. Mm-hmm. That, um, yeah, just something that was more listenable. So, yeah, on the, on the music training uh, thing, like, I've done quite a bit of music training and but it's been a long time since I've done that. And I, I got to a point with music theory and stuff where I felt like it was hindering my creativity because I knew what you could do and I just, I didn't feel free in expressing things. So the trick I used for writing a lot of it was I just tuned my guitar to weird stuff. So like I would, you know, start in a standard tuning, tune a few strings down a step or two until I found something I liked and then just play there. Hmm. And what that allowed is like I didn't get stuck with like the hand shapes that I was used to or even know what chords I was playing. I was just looking for sounds that sounded good. So I couldn't even connect it theory-wise because I didn't know what the notes were. Um, so it allowed me to play like very intuitively and not formally at all. Um, and that was great. It was really fun and freeing for me. So, That's a really cool idea. Yeah. That's awesome. That's something you can do on guitar yeah. too. 
that on stringed instruments in general, whereas if you're a pianist, you can't yeah. like move everything around to remove it's expensive anyway. Yeah. If you want to have a tuner <laughs> yeah, yes, come. Yes, you could. Let's <laughs> just let's just put <laughs> just put some of these notes the same. You probably could on a MIDI keyboard somehow, just yeah. like do the computer yeah. programming. That's awesome. I never even thought about that before, being able to force your mind out of that autopilot mode that you get on an instrument after a certain amount of time where you know that an F is going to sound like this, a C is going to sound like this, a G is going to sound like this, and right. you're rocking between all of them, and you know that this is, I'm anticipating this happening next, and you just yeah. do it, and that's the part of the song. Exactly. So that uh, You didn't open. do that at all. No, very <laughs> rarely. There's like maybe one or two songs that are in standard tuning, um, hmm. but the rest are and a few different tunings that I used. And it's, I've tried to transpose some of them to standard tuning so I could play better live. And it's funny how simple a lot of them are. Like, they're really simple chords that I probably would never play in standard tuning, but somehow the tones and just the, sh- the feel on the guitar and the alternate tunings made it, made it stick. And also, every guitar sounds different, too. Like, mm-hmm. you tune a guitar down, you play more open strings that you wouldn't get in standard. It's fun. It's different. Um, you played tones. a lot of different guitars on that record, too. Oh, true. And yeah. a lot of them were weird and beat up and only did, like, one thing <laughs> well. Yes, that's fun. absolutely right. There's a lot of guitar acquisition during the writing of the record. But, like, like 60-year-old, like, birch, like, plywood kind of yeah. stuff. Not like, oh, we need a, a nice Gibson acoustic for this part, or oh, we no. need, like... We had one good guitar. Right, one good guitar, a lot of <laughs> the Martin trash up, guitars. <laughs> and every once in a while, and then it would get cut because it sounded too good. Right. <laughs> so you all were throwing in some stuff that you picked up at the local yard sales and whatever you could find, as that was yeah. Jack White style. Do you remember yeah. Doyle's music? It's now, um, uh, what's it called? Broadway. It's 12th Fret. 12th Fret music, yeah. So Doyle <clears throat> sold it to the guys that run it now. It's, it's still a great shop. Um, Doyle was like, crazy collector he had amazing instruments and he just loved weird guitars so i would go in there and play guitars and you could you could pick up a great old beater for like 150 bucks but he'd have 12 of them to choose from and get to compare different tones on different ones so i got a few guitars from doyle for pretty cheap and the main writing guitar was a sears and roebuck from like i don't know 60 60 something Mm -hmm. and it's yeah, it's a trash guitar, but I love it. It's There's all nothing... over the recordings, though. It wasn't like you wrote it and then we oh yeah subbed in the Martin or whatever. Right. Like it's the final cut. And we figured out how to make it sound good. Where yeah. I'd been trying to make it sound good in my studio, and it, it never did. So we figured out how to make it sound right. We were talking a lot about sound engineering and sound design before you guys came in, and how you all are super into that, super involved. So what did you do with some of these guitars to add? certain tones did you have the tone in your head were you messing around with it was it kind of a combination of the two yeah do you remember any in particular i mean i think mostly it was just they were quirky guitars that had a sound already we weren't really trying to turn it into something else but there were so many places where it would just pick up like the bad quirks and the stuff that like wasn't Oh, what this you is heard why this is a $50 it. guitar. Yeah. Type yeah. Stuff. yeah, so like a lot of the standard like mic positions, you look up online like how to record an acoustic guitar and like those spots just sounded terrible on this thing because it's not a good guitar. Yeah. Um, but we kind of found different ways to approach it right. and microphones and, you know, quality gear that it was going through that helped. But Right, microphones. And then there's quite a bit of doubling of guitar parts on that album mm-hmm. as well. 
to try to to keep the guitar. I, I really wanted it to be a guitar focused album because that was just how it started. And um, but sometimes we just needed to space it out and have two or three guitars kind of playing the riff to give it some softness and more more tone. So there's quite a bit of that going on too. Nice. Uh, Who's your influences? Oh gosh. Uh, Are there some that you dialed in for this specifically, or was it just the po- Wallace poetry? Well, Stevens, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, there were so, there's some bands that were are so influential to me that I couldn't listen to them during the writing process. So, like top bands for me, like Radiohead, okay. Modest Mouse. I love Deerhoof; they're really one of my favorites, and Fleet Foxes. Mm-hmm. And I think that the sound of Fleet Foxes is so it's like so wonderful, and I I like it so much, and I didn't want to. Uh, imitate it. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to try to find my own sounds. For one, like you can't really imitate their sounds. It's you have like an incredible vocalist, incredible instruments, and world class studios around the world. Like, you just can't do that. So I had to find my own sound. So yeah, I trying to just find a blend of all those different things. And um, the the thing I like about a lot of di- a lot of my favorite bands is a kind of blend of acoustic instrumentation with electric instrumentation and making everything feel like it's in a space. And I think that's, that's like what Nate loves to like Nate really helped define that sound is that all the instruments feel like they're somewhere. It's not just kind of this sound coming out of your left ear, your right ear. You feel like you're in a room somewhere. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. That was well mixed for sure. Thank you. Yeah. How many tracks were you guys rolling with then by the end of that? It varies, but I mean, probably between like 15 and 20 in most of them. I mean, oh, that's not too bad. We really, yeah. I mean, we multi mic'd the guitars, but we usually ended up ditching one of the mics. I yeah. feel like by the end, we ended up feeling like we didn't need that. And so I feel like we kind of simplified some things. So it wasn't crazy high track counts. It was just a lot of, a lot of different layers. Yeah, a lot of layers. There's maybe one song that got a high track count, uh, a song called Beauty is Momentary, that mm-hmm. is a very simple acoustic part, and it just it wasn't carrying the energy. So ended up become, becoming like a piano-led song, and then lots of layers right. of different electric guitars and acoustic guitars hidden behind there, and then some Mellotron and stuff. So that one got the most dense, I think, and was really fun like production exploration for me to try to figure out how to how to do something a little more vibey and less 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 like driving and chord focused and more just about this kind of mass of sound moving forward through the song. How does that translate to your live stuff? I love the set you guys played here. Yeah. You played one song off the album, Radishes and Flowers. Right. The other three, were you writing it for a live environment? Was that kind of the goal with those? Or are you trying to translate some of your songs from the album to be more easily performed yeah. live? Or how does that how does that look? So I've always played solo. Like this is the first show uh, Nate and I have done together. First show. Oh, okay. First time I've I've done anything other than just me and an acoustic guitar. And so I've tried to find versions of the songs that will work in that setting. But honestly I've I've played a lot of small shows all around Boise and tested out a lot of these songs and thought they were good and then heard recordings of them again of me live like oh that doesn't really work live like the energy doesn't carry the vocal doesn't really work live so um, I started to change some of them and then also started to write more in a way that I feel like works better in a live setting and so that that's part of why we played a few new songs today is um, 
for one, they're in standard tuning, so I don't have to carry a dozen <laughs> guitars around to play. Um, but they just they're they're more um, using the the acoustic more as a rhythm instrument, less as like the leading thing. So yeah, well, it sounded good. I wouldn't have known that y'all don't play together all the time. Yeah, Nate's a pro. <laughs> yeah, <so>. yeah. <laughs> thanks. He's he's your guitar man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was solid playing, and I liked your your. Um, drum machine that oh, you're yeah. running through that amp yeah a little 808 so behringer replicated the 808 like the old Roland drum machine that's makes that boom boom sound that you hear on everything mm-hmm. um but it's a fun drum machine especially if you distort it a little bit and chop off the top end so um i've been using that kind of stuff to to practice how to do a live set and i thought about at one point getting one of those like organ keyboards there's some people that sell on Craigslist where you can get a modified organ keyboard so you play just the foot pedals mm-hmm. and you hook it up to a, a MIDI controller. So I had a dream at one point of using a drum machine, a foot pedal, MIDI controller, and a guitar. But it's not fun. It's yeah. like <laughs> too many steps. Yeah. <laughs> too many things. It's just a yeah. it's just like a street performance at that point. Like, wow, mm-hmm. look what he can do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think and the I first, can't do it either. So. Yeah, I think the first rehearsal, so you like you were kind of thinking I would play drums. Like oh, I think yeah. we kind of toyed with doing drum and guitar too, so it was going to be a very different right interpretation. We just ended up feeling like we would have wanted like three more people, yeah, probably to have a feel right. So, so are you both multi instrumentalists? Yeah. yeah, right on. Yeah, Nate did all the drums on the album. Okay, and um, I think that's about all I played. I think yeah. you played everything else. Up bass. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. What song is that on? Mm, I don't know. Yeah, there was Radish a cello at one point. Yeah. Okay. The end. The, yeah, okay. Yeah. Cool. Oh, and some cello, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm mostly guitars and keyboards. Okay. So. Yeah. And what is Treefort going to look like? I'm excited to see you play there. Yeah. We were talking about that. Treefort, Treefort is like, I miss it so much. Gosh, me too. It feels like it's been an eternity <laughs> since that happened. so wonderful. So can't wait to do that again. Um, I think the setup's going to be pretty similar to today. Um, and then I think we'll add a third to do some more keyboards and um, kind of like ambient things in the background and maybe adding some percussion. It'd also be nice to have someone to control the drum machine to add a little more variety and keep me from having to push too many buttons while trying to sing. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll, it'll be a three-piece. And we're playing at the district, so... Um, It'll be, you know, it's a very mellow setting. Everyone sits and listens. So um, I, the, some of the best shows I've seen there have been one or two-piece bands. So I think it'll be a good, good fit for that. Yeah. Did you, did you release this album, like, right before the pandemic? It was, or was during it? the pandemic. During the I remember it. Yeah, okay. Very specifically. Yeah. It was very sad. Yeah, I was so sad for you. I was like, <laughs> yeah. You yeah. already had it scheduled? To, I had to... it scheduled, yeah. I had a whole big plan like everyone else in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, it was yeah, for it was, April, right? Yeah, April so 2020. It was, so It was all fresh. We all still thought we were going to have a summer. We thought, yeah, this will maybe last till the end of you know, May at the latest. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it was already scheduled and just had to push it out. And... It was one of the saddest days of last year for me. It's like, gosh, I had all these dreams, like doing a release party and trying to, to get together a band to go on tour. And Nate and I have been practicing for that. And um, then it was just, you know, celebrated on Instagram like everything else last oh, year. Oh, man. So. It's been pretty well received on Spotify, at least. Your album has, right? Yeah. it's It's been so encouraging, like, to 
like so many people around Boise have listened and have been uh, just, yeah, so nice about it. Like people have, have liked it. And I think that's, that is so fun as a musician to make something that anybody likes. Uh, so, you know, it's like, I guess it's kind of the point, right? You're not, yeah. you're not doing it just for yourself. I know. If you're going to open mic nights and trying to work out the, the logistics of your tunes. Right. And, and you know how, how music works. Like your friends will always like what you make. And that's wonderful. Like it's good to make music for your friends. I had set a goal a couple of years before is like, if I'm going to actually record this album and work with Nate to do it and invest in that, like I, I hope that one person I don't know <laughs> listens to it. <laughs> that was my one, just like one person. <laughs> I, I think that's the same thing with filmmaking. When we, when uh, Elliot and I are doing movies, it's like you know that your your friends and family are going to show up to the screening or whatever, and yeah, they're going to be so yeah. supportive. Yep. Yeah. yeah, that was really good. Yeah, thanks, mom. You're good. <laughs> yeah. you've, always you know, you've always been impressing to me. Just yeah. you know, yeah, you've always impressed me because they see this. They see like the degrees. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, this is oh, this is better than the last thing that you did. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that means. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to terms of your, of your parents, though, like it starts at like he used to not be able to use the toilet. Yeah, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and now look at him; he's like playing guitar. Anything's <laughs> impressive. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't take very much for so. sure. Actually, thanks for me. I was one of those people that listened to the album the first day that it came out because oh. I was sitting around and I was really bored and. I couldn't go to sleep, I remember. Oh, wow. And I was going through, like, a sobriety kick. And I remember I, I saw your Instagram post, like, a new album. I'm like, oh, it's on Spotify. I have Spotify. And I listened to it front to back. Wow. And then I sent you a message. Oh, you sent me a message. That's right. Yeah. Wow. I was that- like, thanks, thanks, man. I really enjoyed <laughs> listening to this album. I just listened to the whole thing. I yeah. had connected that that was you. My yeah. gosh. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. Yeah. Well, I mean, wow. it was thanks for uh, giving me a good, uh, I don't how long is the album? Like, 40 minutes? 45? Yeah. yeah 43. 43? Yeah. yeah. It was a good, yeah. It was Solid nice forty-three ref- minutes of yeah, and then I went back to it. and then I went back to my phone after it was done, and then endlessly scrolled through the news. I remember that was right. one of those things. <laughs> that's that's how the world worked. Then, yeah, exactly. Right? It was like a it was a nice respite, though. Yeah, cool. That's awesome. So, uh, what are your plans then with playing and touring? Obviously, you're going to be doing a tree for it. You had yeah. ideas as far as taking this album and taking the touring. Is that all paused? Are you guys just kind of like? re-looking at the entire thing and then yeah I don't know Um, I think I've thought about that a lot and I think after last year it's just really hard to make plans like I'm out Mm -hmm. of practice and I just we've all made so many plans that just didn't turn out in the last year that it's I think I I need to like do some work internally to try to like believe some like I can plan on something and then try to make it happen um so I, I haven't really been planning that. I have ideas of what, what could happen, but the main the main focus for me right now is trying to work on the next album, and it just kind of came together over the winter. Um, a set of songs that have been some of them have been brewing for a while, and a lot were were recently written. And um, Nate and I recorded like started those sessions uh, about a month ago. And I just I really like where that's going, and I it's oh, wow. been fun to play live uh, and jam on those with Nate. And it's it's a lot more percussion heavy, and um, Nate's been playing drums. It's it's really fun. So I think the focus for me is to do Tree Fort and to and to try to play some more shows around town, and then really get this next album out the door, and then do more kind of release planning around that because like release planning is just so much work, 
and I'm hesitant to like do more of that kind of stuff for the last album because it's been so long now. So I don't know. Is the is the new material based off of uh, Wall Stevens poetry or is it original lyrics? It's all original now. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I had to I had to learn how to write lyrics. So I I realized while I was recording the album with Nate that if I wanted to do this music thing more, I was gonna have to figure that out. Like I couldn't be the poetry guy forever. <laughs> like it's fine, but and I love Wallace Stevens poems. Like that's why I did it, but I don't there's nobody else that I wanted to do that for. So I started writing a lot of poetry and did a little class at the cabin uh, summer of 2019 that was awesome with a bunch of local poets and um, kind of yeah started like getting my writing jobs together and uh, I've got some songs now. Nice. So, Is it going to be thematic through as far as the lyrics are concerned? Um, yeah, there are there are definitely some themes. Um, yeah, there's. I haven't really talked about this album with anybody, so well, um, we're on a podcast. This yeah, is what a perfect is time. About? Oh gosh, there's. I mean, there's a yeah. lot of articulate your <laughs> ideas right now yeah. <laughs> on the spot. Yeah. So just um, sing the whole thing, acapella. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tap on the table if you want me to be a metronome. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it's it's like such personal stuff. So there's. There's been a lot of change in in my life in the last couple of years um, with kind of leaving the church and I've had a lot of like family drama and conflicts that just weren't there before. And it's it's not about those things in particular, but it's like kind of looking at myself and looking at the world in the midst of that, like... um, what do I believe if I don't go to church? Um, I think a lot of people, I mean, I've, a lot of my favorite artists kind of ask that question regularly. And so that was, that was kind of like the space I was in for a lot of the writing. And, um, yeah, so some of it's, some of it's not super happy. Um, and I think it was hard for me to settle into those things, like to try to write a song that like doesn't resolve. Like it's not just like, you know, looking at the bad stuff and then turning it around to hope. Because I think in my church experience, at least that was kind of the message is like, all things happen to, for the glory of God. Like, you know, you don't worry about your suffering because it's all fine. And I don't, it's kind of like trying to get out of that mindset and just settle into some things and allow myself to feel those things, um, but not be mopey about them. Hmm. So, Yeah, it's really tricky to do too. I'm a writer and it's hard to, it's hard to write about, like difficult things without it sounding self pitiful. Yes, you know, because self pity is disgusting. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's because because it's a very fine line. Because you're like you're always kind of like you're you're oscillating between like self aggrandizement, mm-hmm. right? Kind of like exalting yourself to some sort of like level, or you're going to the other level of like, oh, I'm such a piece of shit or whatever. Right. Can we swear on this one? Sure. All right, cool. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And then so like both of those are like really awful. So it's like kind of like this perfect like mid, like between those two polarities, you have to like hit it perfectly. Yeah. Sometimes like just individual words can like do it, you know? Oh, for sure. It's like, oh, this word, that's what makes it self pitiful or that's what makes it like uh, uh, self aggrandizing, you know? Yeah. It's, it's hard. There's a song on this album that I've struggled with finding that line because the opening line is, yes, I'm angry. And like, it's just such a raw emotional line. It's kind of dumb. Um, but 
I wanted I wanted to say it. Uh, it it had come from like a poem I had written at, at a, a a couple years ago, and honestly, like the I think one of the cool things about music and and writing is that the way you produce the song allows certain things to to not be self-pitiful that would be if you just said them out loud. Yeah. Or if it was just printed in like a poetry, you know, yeah. as a poem. Yeah. Cause you get to, you get to kind of add the mood to that, to that, to the words. Cause words, you know, on a page, you can read them however you want, but when they're in this, the context of a song, they can feel different. So that was a real production challenge on this, on the new album is trying to figure out how to sing. Yes, I'm angry and produce a song that felt right. Yeah. And it ended up, it, I thought it was supposed to be like a raw song, like more of a driving song. And what we ended up doing is it's kind of this like cheesy waltz sound. It's just this in three, four, just da, 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 da. And it's very simple. And then the vocal line kind of soars around through that. And um, once I found that, I was just like playing around with some MIDI instruments and I found that sound. I was like, okay, I think we go this way. And then Nate and I recorded probably like 20 tracks of different things playing this little waltz tune blended them together and it sounds really good so um. yeah as soon as you open up the sonics it's like another layer of potential like juxtaposition mm-hmm. and i think that's what like that's what that's why song lyrics can sometimes get away with stuff that you know poetry yeah. can't get away with or just written word can't get away with or spoken word um exactly. yeah it's really interesting yeah because you can say yes i'm angry but if you're if you're playing a metal track <laughs> it, it can sound really stupid yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah but if you play a waltz then it's like the 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 music is then like hitting like like along the side, it's almost like doing like a side swipe or a T bone yeah. car. It's like this crashing elements together. That sounds cool. Yeah, and that to me, like that kind of crashing represents more that actual feeling. It's like I'm in the middle of something that's actually good. Like my life is good, but I'm angry. So what is that? What's that mean? But so the the song blends those together. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's awesome that you're writing something that you're in the process of doing too, because that probably that makes sense to me that it doesn't have the resolution. Yeah. Because maybe just doesn't it's just not resolved. maybe that'll be a, f- a few albums <laughs> yeah from now if i knew the truth i'd tell you <laughs> yeah. that'll, be, that'll be the back to church album <laughs> <Right>. jesse reborn <laughs> i think i've seen that before did carmen do that yeah. <laughs> uh if you don't mind me asking what, what church did you belong to uh i was part of the anglican church for a long time oh, okay i grew up baptist and Gotcha. In the middle of Kansas. Oh, um, oh! So you're a Midwesterner. I'm a Midwesterner. That's right. right. Oh, Where are you well, from? Well, South Dakota. Yeah. Oh, we, the yeah. And then I lived in Minneapolis for a long time. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. our family's all up in North Dakota there. So mm-hmm. they don't talk like that in Kansas, though. <laughs> no, we really don't. Yeah. <laughs> it's more of a drawl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's quite the journey. Was it the pandemic that started to bring that about? I feel like so many people have reflected on what they're doing, how they're spending their time, what's valuable what's not valuable was that kind of the trigger or no it's it's been several years in the making um Mm. uh yeah how do i how do i explain that um the trigger was more uh my mom passed away like seven years ago and kind of in the middle of that of like watching her like suffer leading up to leading up to her death just a lot of questions arose for me and the way I saw people in the church talking about that and talking about her experience and talking about how we should, me and my family should feel about that. And it just stopped making sense uh, to me. And a lot of, like it had most of the time made sense in my life. It's like, this 
this seems like a good explanation for how the world works and how to live in it. And watching that happen to my family just made me feel like it didn't make sense anymore, but I wanted something to make sense of it. So it took me a long time to like decide, okay, I'm actually not a part of this anymore. Um, and the pandemic was helpful, I guess, in that you, know, you get a lot of time to yourself and the kind of social pressures where you feel like you need to be some a certain kind of thing to certain people that you know, like those just went away, at least for me during the pandemic. You so. obviously couldn't go to mass either because <laughs> right. they were all closed down. Yeah, yeah, it's all done. So yeah, there's no peace be with you and shaking the hands and stuff yeah. during right. the pandemic. Yeah, is that Sorry. similar? To, is that the similar to the Catholic? I don't know. Do they do the peace be with you? Thing? They do. Yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. Cool. Right on. Sorry, yeah. we we grew up Catholic. So oh, you I did. went yeah. to I went to the Vatican City. When I was 22, and that was just like, I would say that was like the straw that broke the camel's back, but it's a really big straw. It's a very heavy, valuable straw. (laughs) Worth billions of dollars. (laughs) Billions of dollars. I remember the tour, they started off the tour when you walked in and they're like, there's a red marble floor. And I don't remember what the figure was like how rare this red marble is Hmm. and how many millions of dollars each square was worth. But that was the opening thing that they did on this presentation going in there. And I'm like, what is this about? That's a lot of money. Yeah. You know, and they, and then they talked about how they took a lot of the marble um, from the ruins and built Vatican city from, you know, the fall of Rome and just re repurposed all those materials and and I was like this is not it made me feel gross mm. like it was it was really a, a gross feeling and it was almost like what is humanity about like what is god about what is humanity about and which makes more sense right is it, you know like chicken and egg thing mm-hmm. um so to me it was like okay it makes more sense that some people made this up so that they could get a bunch of stuff yeah. Yeah. Well, especially the Catholic Church, too. Yeah. They have like centuries and centuries of history of that, you know? Mm-hmm. And then they kind of like reinforce like, you know, already established power hierarchies and almost like calcify them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the Vatican, yeah, Vatican City is crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we got on this, but I don't, yeah. yeah. You know, it, it reminds me of a story I'd, I'd totally forgotten about, but when I was probably nine or 10, this is an embarrassing story. Uh, I was really into like making crafts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, I made these little Christmas ornaments out of um, like candy canes and yarn or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I sold them at my church. So I like set up a little table at the front of the church as people were walking in and I'd sell them to people. And you know, the, the story about Jesus uh, turning over the tables in the temple, like someone did that to me. They didn't turn over the table. <laughs> they came in and they told me that story. It's like, I'm just making some crafts. Like, I'm a child. <laughs> Stop polluting the house of the Lord. Oh, my God. That little son wow. of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, so I was asked wow. to stop. Uh, you should have asked for the keys to their SUV. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. I should have. Did you clarify that like 10% of the prophets were going to the church? So. <laughs> yeah, I now it's this. okay. <laughs> I'm a good tither. <laughs> yeah, that's that's crazy. That's crazy stuff to to think about for sure. And this is and you coming from Kansas and then coming here. Like the Midwest is very, very religious. Mm-hmm. Idaho is very religious. I spent a couple of years in California and it was like it was it was it was 
nice not to have that be the baseline interaction mm-hmm. with the majority of the people yeah. that I, that you come in contact with. It's like that commonality is just thrown out the window because they have a lot of people. The community I was living in had a lot of Indian people. So, um, a lot of them were, uh, not, not Hindi. Um, the other one. Yeah. The other religion. <laughs> In India. Oh my goodness, I'm drawing a blank totally right now. Um, but so, so it was like just for like. Buddhism or? Like no. Buddhist versus Sikh. Hindu or oh, Indi- Sikh. 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 Yeah, Sikh. Yeah, there it is. Okay. So there was a huge Sikh population there. And then also Hindu. Um, so it was just like. Yeah. That's all thrown out the window. By the but way, it, I'm, I'm going to, since, since you're kind of rambling here, I'm yeah. just going to open up this beer. Which yeah, I'm do it. Go open. for it. Yeah, yeah go for it. It's time. Yeah, okay. There it is. Nailed it. <laughs> Solid beer opening sound effect. Yeah, for sure. I've been trying not to do mine. Well, you know, yeah, that's fine. I was like, how do I do this quietly? <laughs> it wouldn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> just announce it. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was nice to, to get out of that and then just see a different perspective on reality. And then when all of those different people with different belief systems come together, obviously, like the humanity comes out and you see like, oh, okay, well, there's obviously a lot more in common that we have than different. Yeah. Yeah, it really yeah, is because it's just everybody just wants to do the thing that they enjoy or that pays the bills, you know. And then it's obviously everybody's always battling between those two things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they want to have friends, like and family, yeah. and family. It's yeah, just yeah. not it's not all that complicated. Yeah. I think no. my experience was kind of similar. I was also raised in in the church and Bible based, and then I went to college and studied philosophy and started reading some you know some like Hindu scriptures like the Bhagavad Gita and all these things and it was like wow you could find this stuff in the Bible but it's like a footnote to a footnote and like you Mm -hmm. go over here and this is like this is the bullet point Mm -hmm. and you can find all the other stuff but it's just kind of like where you start and you get to a lot of the same stuff but yeah I had kind of the same experience you know all my life I'd been told that people in the world scare quotes right like we're unhappy they were miserable they were all just trying to fill their lives with you know money whatever they could find Mm -hmm. and then i met some professors who were atheists and agnostics and they were happier than i was and i was like this just doesn't add up like like i need to learn from them like Mm -hmm. you know people at church would ask me if i was going in there and like spreading the good word in the philosophy department i was like that's not why you go to college <laughs> I don't think you got to learn from other people, not, yeah, to, yeah, not to proselytize. That's the trick, them. yeah. Um, but yeah, so I really relate to. Just are you from being the Midwest? Or are you from here? I grew up here, actually. Yeah, oh, okay. um, just outside of Meridian, like between right Meridian on. and Kuna. Yep. Did you go to BSU? I did. Yep. Okay. So philosophy and and audio engineering, or did you just kind of stumble? Music on was always just on the side. Um, at that point, I was writing my own music, and to the extent that I was recording, it was just like in a spare bedroom at my parents' house with a cheap microphone because it was the only way. I didn't have a band; it was the only way to get my ideas down. Um, so yeah, it was always. I never studied it because I was afraid I would like burn out on it or not like it anymore if I went like went for it all the way. And, mm. um, and but yeah, then after, after college, I kind of went for it a little bit more, but yeah. And you played the first like, three tree forts, is that right? Yeah. Um, I was living in Portland when tree fort one happened and applied and took a band from Portland 
back here to Boise to play for the first year. And then I moved back. Um, my now wife was working on her master's at BSU at the time and we met. And so I moved back between those two years and played with a whole new band in Boise um, for two and three. Cool. Wow. Which is really fun. But you haven't been back there since? I mean, I've gone back to Portland to visit. But oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. Oh. Uh, Tree Fort. You haven't played at Tree Fort since? Oh, yeah, no. It was everybody's life. So just kind of getting to the point where, like, I had really talented musicians to work with, but nobody was, like, full-time musician. It was people with kids and careers and yeah. things like that. And it made it really fun to work with them because they weren't, like, awful and obsessive yeah. and, like, <laughs> driven to the point where it was no fun. But it also meant that there just wasn't time. So, mm. yeah, I didn't ever get anybody everybody in the same room for a rehearsal for my last tree for it. It was like sectionals with like three different portions of the band. And then we showed up and hoped it worked. Oh, wow. It How was, big was the group? There was seven of us. There's oh, seven, wow. seven people on stage with me, I think. So I think maybe there were eight of us all together in Oof. the end. So Dang. it it's ended like... up just being stressful and it was just kind of, yeah, felt like my life was moving in different directions. Everybody at that point. So kind of just moved on. It's hard to conduct and sing and play guitar at the same time. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was weird. <laughs> nice. So are you going to be joining Jesse then for this tree fort? One more time, where are you, where are you guys playing and uh, what On time? Sunday afternoon, uh, it's the 26th at 4 p.m. at the district. Okay. So, cool. Yeah. Yeah, the plan is to, to join in. So. Yep. Right on. And you'll be having... You're going to aim for a trio, is that what you said? Yeah, okay. yeah I think we're going to add a, a keyboardist as well. Okay, so cool. That's going to sound great. I'm really excited to see that set. Me it'll too. be fun. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be it'll be super solid by oh yeah by that time we're we're yeah. ready. So yeah. not like anybody has anything else going on. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, that set that you guys just kicked out here, I was really impressed with it. So I'm excited to see yeah how that one unfolds. We've got a good setup too because Nate runs the studio. That's uh, uh, mixed metaphor studios in the garage at my house like we it's we call it a garage but it's really like a, a fully done studio space so he's there most days like recording with clients or mixing things so and i work from home so we can step in for an hour at lunch and practice things um as nice. it's convenient so yeah we have we have a good setup for trying to figure out how to play these songs Sweet. Well, I'm looking forward to it. How do people follow you on uh, social media? What's your favorite? I'm most uh, active on Instagram. Instagram. Kind of taking a break for a few months here, but okay. yeah, just Jesse Rendell on Instagram. And yeah. you have a favorite way for them to ingest your album? Oh, I mean, Spotify is great, but it's for free on Bandcamp for streaming. And oh, okay. I actually I printed vinyl. Um, Oh, right on. Yeah, I was going to bring you a copy. I'll, I'll get you one. Sweet, so, that'd be yeah. awesome. I'd um, love to add it to the collection. Yeah, you got quite a collection there. So, um, yeah, so I printed the vinyl because I was going to do some shows. And it's just, it's so cool it's like to have an I album on vinyl. So, um, I bet it sells well, too, when you're uh, there. I think it would if I had shows. But <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, I never would have bought vinyl if I thought I wasn't going to play any shows for a year. Um, oh, so you're just yeah. sitting on like 800... <laughs> No, I did a low low volume. Oh, you print. did low yeah, volume. Yeah. I, I'm not that arrogant. <laughs> Everybody's gonna love this. If I double it, it's ten percent less. Yeah, I know. That's the, that's the charm of the the record printing. It's like, oh, the, but the cost per record goes way down if I print three hundred more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just like a good deal then. 
Yeah. And lots of storage space gets taken up in the meantime. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, I hope you sell those. You, you're going to sell those records as soon as you, you get up and running. Cause I mean, solid, solid, solid album. And I'm really looking forward to the next one too. Cool. Yeah. Thanks so much. It'll be, it'll be cool to hear your words on this one and see how that the juxtaposition juxtaposition between that and musically too, what you came up with, with the poems. So, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Jesse, yeah, thanks, thanks so for much. joining us, Nate. Thank thanks you. for playing. A lot of fun. Thanks for sitting in too, Elliot. He's nodding <laughs> his head. Yes. I saw that. All right. Thank you for listening to Treasure Valley Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to follow us so that you don't miss any future episodes. Also, tell your friends about us because that's how podcasts are spread via word of mouth.